The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, hey, we're winding down our summer series in Proverbs. Um, we've got one more week after this week, and then in beginning in two weeks um, from today and through the rest of the fall, we're actually going to be preaching through the Old Testament book of Numbers. And that'll take us right up to uh, Advent, at which time, Lord willing, the plan is to begin a series in the Matthews, um, the, the gospel according to Matthew. Um, but we're, we're winding down Proverbs. But while we're winding down Proverbs, actually, Proverbs is ramping up. Um, Here's what I mean by that. The first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are really an extended introduction to the rest of the book. In fact, if you've read beyond chapter 9, you know that things change when you get into chapter 10. In in chapters 1 through 9, we have these longer lessons sort of in poetic form. And then once you hit chapter 10, and pretty much for for the rest of the book, it's made up these two-liners, these punchy, pithy sayings, these wise sayings that Proverbs is so well known for. Well, chapters 1 through 9 are all about preparing you for that, motivating you for that, deepening a hunger in you for that. And therefore, as we near the end of the first nine chapters, we're actually reaching a climax. I believe it begins in chapter 8, verse 32, and really it extends all the way through chapter 9. But look at chapter 8, verse 32. It says, and now, O sons, oh now, therefore, it's sort of this grand transition here. A climax. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed. And I'd underline that word blessed if I were you in your scripture. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed, there's the word again, is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Blessed. Blessed. Do you see it? It's one of Hebrews' most comprehensive words for human flourishing. For human well-being, it, it captures the goal of human life as well as any word we have. And yet, we're a little confused about what it means to be blessed today, aren't we? Um, if you go onto Instagram, don't do this. I did it for us. Um, but if you go onto Instagram and, and search for a hashtag, blessed, you're going you're gonna to find all kinds of weird stuff, okay? But even after you sort out all the weird stuff, here's a little bit of what's left, just a sampling. Uh, a picture of a woman. I didn't put the pictures on the screen. You were hoping for them. Uh, but a, a picture of a woman with her best friend. And maybe a compelling and reflective caption. Some other hashtags. And then hashtag blessed, right? Um, A 17-year-old kid donning a Notre Dame uniform, blessed to have received an offer to play for the Irish, hashtag blessed, right? Um, A dude on a balcony overlooking the most gorgeous body of water you've ever seen in your entire life, right? Hashtag blessed. (laughs) Picture of a family, maybe on vacation together, maybe just on a family outing together, some poetic prose underneath it all, you know, capturing the moment really, really eloquently, hashtag blessed. Or or one of my favorites that, that I found, dude on a boat holding a fish, hashtag blessed, right? Right? Now listen, every good gift comes from above. Um, Of course, friendship and opportunities and travel, family, fish, creation, it's all from the Lord. 
These things are, in a way, blessings. However, if that's how we define the blessed life, and you don't have to, you don't have to do this on Instagram to do it. Um, we all do it to varying degrees. If we think of any one of those things, or, or fill in the blank your own Instagram posts that you would put up on the web, if you say, if, if I had this, if I was doing this, then I'd know I'm blessed. But if that's how you define the blessed life, man, what do you do when the friend moves away? What do you do when the college football career is over? What about when the vacation ends or one of those family members dies? Or you're too busy to go fishing or or perhaps no longer able? Can life still be considered blessed? What does it mean to really live the blessed life? Well, Proverbs has an answer. Blessed are those who keep my ways, it says. Blessed are those who listens to wisdom, follows wisdom. Blessed are those who are biblically wise. Blessed, we might summarize, are those who live in accordance with biblical wisdom. That's, that's really what Proverbs is all about. And, and it's what chapter 8 drives home. As we read through chapter 8 here, listen, it, it's a bit of a rehashing of some things we've already seen and learned about in Proverbs so far. But there's some new stuff in here too. And remember, the whole point is to motivate you to dig into the rest of the book of Proverbs and grow in wisdom. This morning, we're just going to work right down through the text, and the first thing Proverbs 8 wants to drive home for you is that you can get the wisdom of God. You can. You can get it. But the reason is because biblical wisdom is accessible. Back in week three, we were introduced to this through looking at wisdom's call. Do you remember wisdom's call at the end of chapter one? We said wisdom is a street preacher. Wisdom call, wisdom's call goes out loud and it goes out clear. It goes out to everyone. Look at how it's said here in chapter eight, starting in verse one. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portal she cries aloud to you, O men, I call. And my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Listen, that phrase at the end of verse 4, children of man, it can also be translated as all mankind. All children of Adam. The point is that wisdom is accessible to everyone. It's accessible to you. You can get the wisdom of God. You can. No matter how unwise or incapable of getting it you think you are, no matter how much of a mess of life you think you've made to this point in your life, no matter how much you think it's too late to start over, verse 5, oh simple ones, oh fools, that's not biblical name calling. That's God's generous gracious wisdom being offered to the simplest, the unwise, the still trying to figure it out Christian, the still needing to be formed believer, the starting all over again, whether you're 14 or 54 or 74, wisdom is calling to you. She is. That's right, I said she, because Proverbs says she. In fact, beginning in verse 4 and continuing all the way through the rest of the chapter, we have a personification of wisdom. We have woman wisdom. You remember woman wisdom? We met her back at the end of chapter 1 as well. 
It's a poetic personification of God's wisdom, a a personification of God's attribute of wisdom. This is poetry, remember? It's figurative language. And what we have, who we have, is woman wisdom calling out to us, seeking us. Think about that. Woman wisdom is not just sitting around waiting for you to find her. No, she's looking for you. So much so that any searching you do is really ultimately a response to hers. Okay, fine, you say, woman, wisdom's calling out to me. Wisdom is accessible to me. I can get the wisdom of God, you say, but why should I listen? Well, she tells us if we keep reading. She tells us why. And she tells us first, you can rely on the wisdom of God. You can rely on it. Verses 6 through 11 are all about woman wisdom's veracity, her her habitual truthfulness. And it comes as a stark contrast to last week, what we read in chapter 7. See, unlike the smooth, tantalizing, but deceptive speech of the seducer in chapter 7, woman wisdom's speech is described here as noble, as right, as true, not twisted. It comes, we might say, as a stark contrast to the words and speech that bombard our ears from every direction today. Words without any truth. Words filled with untruth or so convoluted that we can't figure out what is true. Words without commitment. Promises a person has no intention of keeping. Lies, deception, unreliable advice. Self-proclaimed experts on everything. Opinions, twisted truths and half-truths which really aren't truth at all. Over and against all that, listen to what woman wisdom has to say. Listen to what you should, or why, rather, you should listen to her, beginning in verse 6. Hear, for I will speak noble things. That word means excellent and trustworthy. From my lips will will come, okay, I will reveal what what is right. She's promising integrity and uprightness. My mouth will utter truth. I will proclaim, I will speak truth, accuracy, dependability. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. They're wholesome, they're healing, they're just. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them, straightforward, non-deceptive, non-misleading. They're straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Listen, the world will tell you what you want to hear, okay? Um, Whatever you want to hear, there's someone out there who will tell it to you. The world will tell you what you want to hear. Wisdom tells you what you need to hear. And through all the noise and the chatter and the talk, talk, talking of our world, woman wisdom comes to you today and says, listen to me. Listen to me. She says, I'm the source of truth. I am the source of what is right and trustworthy and honorable and righteous. Listen to me. There's an echo of this passage in the New Testament where Paul wrote in in Philippians 4, right? Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, 
whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Listen to wisdom. So biblical wisdom is accessible. All right, you can get the wisdom of God, but why should we listen to woman wisdom? Reason number one, you can rely on her. She's reliable. The wisdom of God is reliable. It will not lead you astray. Reason number two, you will benefit from the wisdom of God. There are rewards associated with biblical wisdom, with woman wisdom. Verses 12 through 21 give us a nice sampling of these. It begins with prudence, knowledge, and discretion. These are all terms we met in chapter 1. Prudence is the notion of shrewdness, the, the ability to navigate the problems of life, carefully considering a situation without rushing in. Knowledge, okay, knowledge of the world, knowledge of God, of how he's created things to work and how they operate. Discretion. That's carefulness and tactfulness. Do you know anyone who speaks the truth, but they're about as tactful as a bulldozer? You know? We need discretion. It's one of the rewards of wisdom. Wisdom also gives, as a reward, a hatred of evil. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've heard that. And now, wisdom is equated with a hatred of of evil. I love how theologian Derek Kidner says this. He says, what is repugnant to godliness is repugnant to wisdom. There's no conflict of interest, he says. In other words, wisdom, all right, true wisdom and, and a love of evil, they, they cannot coexist. That's why the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The wiser you get in the biblical sense, the more you'll see and hate the evil of the world. The more you'll not just abhor with God pride and arrogance, but also the more you'll grow in humility. Verse 14, more rewards, all right? Counsel, the ability to make decisions and shape plans and outcomes that are beneficial to others. Sound wisdom, strategy that works and has lasting success. Insight, seeing through the surface level of things down into what's really going on. And also strength. Meaning, wisdom isn't just about the cognitive. Wisdom is also the wherewithal to carry out a life marked by all this. Which is why woman wisdom goes on to say in verse 15, By me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. There's strength to rule and reign that comes as a reward of wisdom. Not just to rule and reign in general, but rather to rule and reign with justice. Biblical wisdom leads to biblical justice. Verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Again, she's accessible. Riches and honor are with me, sometimes tangible, but always spiritual. Enduring wealth and righteousness. This is an inner richness of joy and favor. Better than gold, verse 19 says. And then verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasury. Do you want to see justice in our world? You want to be a person who labors for justice, real justice, biblical justice, you need wisdom. 
Justice is a reward, a, a byproduct of wisdom. Justice and righteousness. An inheritance that fills your treasury. It fills your heart. And it overflows from you into the lives in the world around you. But it all comes from wisdom. Biblical wisdom. Not TikTok wisdom. Not Fox News wisdom or CNN News wisdom or, or anything else that's trying to masquerade as wisdom. Woman wisdom here. These are the rewards. Now, right about now, you, you ought to be asking, okay, sure, wisdom is accessible. I get it. I can read the Bible. I got it here. And you say that wisdom is reliable, that, that it's true, it's right. How do I know for sure? Why should I trust her promised rewards? Well, the answer is wisdom's credentials, her resume. This is the fourth point that we have from, from Proverbs 8. You can trust the wisdom of God. You can trust woman wisdom. We read about wisdom's credentials, her credibility here in verses 22 through 31. And this is a, this is a massive passage here. It teaches us that, that wisdom, woman wisdom, she's older than creation. In fact, she was there, like privy to all the hows and the whats and the whos of the mysterious beginnings of the universe. You don't get any better credentials than that. And we all know this. You, you want to know, you know what something was really like, you need to talk to someone who was there. Like it's one thing to read books about World War II. It was another thing to sit down with Megan's grandpa, Grandpa Tony, and hear him talk about being a tank operator at the Battle of Anzio. That's different. He was there. That's why we listen to sexual abuse victims. They were there. That's why we call witnesses to the stand in court. They were there. That's why we listen to woman wisdom. She was there. Let's look at this passage together, the whole thing all at once, beginning in verse 22. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first, acts, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, but the first beginning, but before the beginnings of the earth... When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him, like a master workman. Now, there's some strong echoes of Genesis 1 in there, aren't there? Where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Woman wisdom was there. And it's here we see that wisdom in Proverbs 8 is, is not just a personification of Solomon's wisdom. This is the personification of God's wisdom. God created the world with wisdom, we might say. Wisdom was at his side, like a master workman, verse 30. Wisdom was the agency through which creation came into existence. Another translation has architect for master craftsman, conveying it was through divine wisdom that the world came to be. Now, this isn't some mysterious fourth person of the Trinity, all right? And it's not perfectly the second person either. It's personification. It's poetry. It's personifying God's wisdom. 
bringing it back now, how we're to read Proverbs 8, it means wisdom knows some stuff. All right, wisdom knows how the world was designed, how the world was created and put into being. Woman wisdom was, was there. Woman wisdom here understands the world, understands the children of man, understands you and how life is supposed to work. Wisdom was there and involved. Wisdom was instrumental. Wisdom is therefore the most credentialed of the credentialed. Listen to how Ray Ortland muses on this passage. He says, God wired wisdom into the cosmos as the inner logic of everything. So wisdom was how everything started and how everything still works. We were born into this world long after things were set up so amazingly. What do we know? We can't control the environment. We adjust to it. So biblical wisdom is more than handy tips. Wisdom is the secret code to reality. And in the Bible, it is speaking to us, so it isn't a secret anymore. (laughs) How do we know wisdom is reliable and true? Why should we trust her promised rewards? She was there. Not only was she there, she wired into, she's wired into the inner logic of everything. She's how everything started and how everything still works. Look, there's an order to the world. That's what Proverbs is teaching us. I know it doesn't seem that way. Things seem chaotic and haphazard and out of place. It's not, though. There's an order to the world. There's a way that things are supposed to be that inform how we think, inform how we think about relationships, and how we think about sex and money and work and communications and emotions and all of that. God designed it all. Wisdom reveals it all. Wisdom knows what's true because God defines what is true. Wisdom can offer rewards for living in conformity to this order because wisdom knows the secret to reality. Wisdom knows what's best for you. Even better than you know what's best for you. And listen, conformity, someone else telling you what's best for you, <laughs> telling you what's, 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 what they know is best for you, all that sounds very unmodern. It sounds very fuddy-duddy. It sounds restrictive. It sounds controlling until we read the last bit of this section, picking up in verse 30. This is what woman wisdom says. Then I was beside him. Talking about creation. I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight. Rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. What a scene. What a scene. Here's woman wisdom, right? God's right-hand man, or woman, right? God's, God's right-hand woman here in creation, the master workman, we're talking poetry, don't freak out, we're talking poetry, God's right-hand woman in creation, the master workman through whom the world was created, and woman wisdom, we're told, was God's daily delight. God's delighting in her. He's happy. He's joyful. He is so filled with joy in her presence, in wisdom's presence. And woman wisdom, she's continuously rejoicing before him. Together, they rejoiced in the created world and delighted in all the children of man. There's a party of joy going on here. 
Best way I can imagine it is like a Bumgarner family dance party. Okay, we used to do these. Not anymore. The kids are getting too old for it, right? But when like Vivian was two and Lydia was eight and maybe Iris was 10, every once in a while, we would just kind of, after dinner, have a Bumgarner family dance party right there in the living room, you know? And my wife would join in, but as a dad, dancing around the living room with my kids, I am delighting in them. They are, they think I'm goofy, but let's just say that they're delighting in me. We are all delighting in one another. Enjoy. Rejoicing together in this created world, delighting in one another. That's the best picture I can draw of what these verses in, in Proverbs 8 are trying to convey about God. Just raw, pure, genuine and authentic joy and delight over the world and everything in it as it was created and meant it to be. And you're invited to that dance party. When you walk in the ways of wisdom, you are invited into that dance party. It's not fuddy-duddy. It's not controlling. It's not restrictive. It's joy-filled. It's the way to true joy and true delight, which is why chapter 8 ends telling us you will be blessed by the wisdom of God. Look at... Chapter 8, beginning in verse 32 again. This is where we started. This is the climax. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor, favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me Love, death. Wisdom's blessing, see? It's the climax. And chapter 9 sort of rides it out by putting before us again the way of wisdom versus the way of folly. Which will you follow? Who will you follow? Woman wisdom or wisdom, fo- or woman, wisdom or woman folly? That's what chapter 9's about. One leads to blessing, life, favor with God. The other leads to injury and death. There's a choice to make, see? And then as you launch out into and read the rest of Proverbs, chapters 10 through 31, there's a choice to make. Will you listen to woman wisdom, be guided by woman wisdom, grow in woman wisdom, and live in turn a blessed life? Life the way it was intended to be lived. In accordance with God and how he hardwired the world. Will you listen to that? Or not. Now, if you've read much of the New Testament, you've maybe recognized some of the language here in Proverbs 8. That's because there are allusions to Proverbs 8 all over the New Testament. Especially when we come to read about Jesus. And the reason for that begins with a prophecy of Isaiah, which reads, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This is prophesying about the Messiah, I hope you realize. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. A spirit of what? Wisdom and understanding. Spirit of counsel and might, strength. A spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Which is the beginning of wisdom. See, there was to be a day where the Messiah would come and he was to reorder the entire creation through wisdom. In fact... There's even a place in Matthew's gospel where Jesus self-identifies with woman wisdom. 
It's right in the section where Jesus is addressing his opponents and they're talking, about, talking smack about him and John the Baptist and really how they're attacking both. He's pointing out their inconsistencies. And he says, for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they said, he's got a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet, wisdom is justified by her deeds. You see that there? Tremper Longman points out that it's Jesus' deeds that are being justified here. And yet Jesus refers to wisdom being justified and justified by her deeds. It's not a one for one, but the point is this. Jesus is the fulfillment of woman wisdom in Proverbs. I mean, think back through Proverbs 8 with, with Jesus' goggles on. You know about Jesus' goggles? Jesus' goggles, this didn't really happen, but Jesus' goggles like what Jesus put on the disciples on the Emmaus Road after the resurrection Right, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he reinterpreted all scripture in light of himself. So think back through Proverbs 8 with the Jesus goggles on. Verses one through five, his accessibility, his call. Jesus came to seek and save any and all who would trust in him. Anyone can get in on salvation through Christ simply by trusting in him. No one is too unworthy. That's kind of the point. He's accessible to all. You can get Jesus. And if you do, you'll find, really, it was him that got you. (laughs) He's accessible. What about wisdom's veracity, her habitual truthfulness? Jesus fulfills that too. Not only did he speak truth, he is truth. He's the way and the truth and the life. You can rely on Jesus for everything. He always tells us straight. Jesus has never led anyone astray. He doesn't deceive He doesn't manipulate. His veracity is impeccable. He's got all kinds of rewards. Spiritual blessings we receive when we belong to him. Redemption, justification, forgiveness, righteousness, strength, comfort, peace, rest for our weary souls, and an eternal inheritance. To say that you will benefit from Jesus is the understatement of your life, and it'll be the understatement of eternity. And listen, then there's his credentials. You can trust Jesus. You can trust that he's accessible. You can trust his veracity. You can trust his rewards because he is the most credentialed person to ever walk this earth. He's the God-man. Not only is he the son of God, but like woman wisdom, as Proverbs 8 personifies her, he was there. He was there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. A master workman, an architect. That passage echoes Genesis 1 to be sure, but it reverberates through Proverbs 8 before it gets to John 1. What about Colossians 1 or Hebrews 1? Or Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for, why? Because you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. Or, or listen, to how the, listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about wisdom in 1 Corinthians. Where's the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Church, Jesus is the wisdom of God. He's the fulfillment of woman wisdom in Proverbs. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, right? But don't forget the wisdom part. Here's the point. Jesus is the fulfillment of woman wisdom. He's the very embodiment of wisdom. He's the fulfillment of wisdom's accessibility. He's the fulfillment of wisdom's veracity, her rewards, her credentials. Jesus is wisdom from God. Which means to embrace Jesus is to embrace wisdom. To take in Jesus is to take in wisdom. To get him into your heart is to get wisdom into your heart. And it's the only way to get true wisdom into your heart. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Reverent, loving, awe, and surrender to Jesus. This is the way of the blessed life. See, in the end, the blessed life isn't about a picture of you and your friend together. It's the reality of you and Jesus together. It's you united with the friend of sinners. Put that on the Insta. It's not a picture of you clothed in some team uniform or whatever else it is that you find your identity in and call blessed. It's about being clothed in Christ. That's blessed. The ultimate blessed life is not even a happy picture of you and your earthly family, as great as that is. But a picture of you joined with the family of God across centuries and continents and cultures, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, all God's people across all God's time. It's not a picture of you with a, a literal fish, but you being sent out by Jesus as a fisher of men. It's not hanging out at some exotic vacation location for a week or two, great as that is. It's about an eternal dance party in the golden streets of heaven. It starts now. This is the blessed life. This is. The ultimate blessing of wisdom is the blessing of Jesus and your union with him. When you get Jesus, you get wisdom. You're on the path. Stay on the path. Jesus is the wisdom from God. Never forget this. Let's pray. Father, help us now to define the blessed life the way that you do. Help us to seek it. Help us to choose it. Help us to pursue it day after day and moment by moment in and through Christ. Make us wise, O oh Lord, biblically wise through our union with Christ. Biblically blessed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.